Before we begin this pre-recorded podcast, I have to unfortunately bring you the tragic news that David Bakhtiari has torn his ACL in practice Thursday afternoon. It is confirmed he will miss the playoffs. The Packers will have to find a new left tackle, probably in Rick Wagner, Elton Jenkins, or maybe Yash Nijman. Billy Turner is, of course, another option. Extremely disappointing, of course, and we'll have to see over the next few days how this develops. For the Week 17 game, Billy Turner or Elton Jenkins seem like the most likely candidates to take over on short notice versus the Bears. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, serving you up quick-hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, you and I had the pleasure of watching an absolute butt-whipping by the Green Bay Packers of the Tennessee Titans in the snow. A.J. Dillon was featured heavily. Love seeing it. I will say to non-Packers fans, this was a boring game. But for all of us who have been waiting to see just absolute domination over a playoff team, this was beautiful. How did you feel? It was a delight to watch that game. You almost couldn't have scripted it too much better. And uh, A.J. Dillon making a big impact. Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams playing, again, lights out, off the charts kind of a football. And I'll tell you, the defense does not get enough credit. It's time. It is time to start giving the Packers defense their due. Absolutely. You and I have some beefs with the special teams. We're going to get to that in a minute. But first, Gil, I want to quiz you a little bit because it is Bears week. We are facing our old nemesis, and I want to test your knowledge of the Chicago Bears. Okay. So first of all, fill in the blank. The Bears still what? (laughs) Uh, That would be suck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Who is the Chicago Bears starting quarterback? Is it A, Jay Cutler? B, Sid Luckman, C, Nick Foles, or D, nobody knows. (laughs) Given those choices, I go with D. (laughs) All right. What are the Chicago Bears famous for? Is it A, terrible quarterback play? B, the Super Bowl shuffle? C, losing to Aaron Rodgers? Or D, all of the above? All of the above. All right. And lastly, tell me, what is the difference between Marty McFly and your average Chicago Bears fan. You tell me, what's the difference? Well, at least Marty McFly finally quit going back to 1985. <laughs> there you go. There you well, go. I'm excited because this is, without a doubt, the best Packers and Bears teams facing each other that we have seen in a very long time. I would argue possibly going all the way back to the 2010 season. It seems like since then, anytime you get a Packers-Bears matchup, One team is doing okay, and the other team clearly sucks. So I'm excited to see a revitalized, rejuvenated Chicago Bears team that miraculously has an offense now, and we'll talk about that, how they got that offense. 
and a Packers team that is flying high, white hot. This should be a great game for everybody. Yeah, looking forward to it. And the best part about it really is that both teams have a lot on the line, and that makes it even better. Yeah, the Green Bay Packers obviously are playing for that number one seed and the playoff bye. The Chicago Bears are playing to try and get into the playoffs. Now, it is still possible for them to get in the playoffs if they lose. Uh, I believe if the Arizona Cardinals lose as well, uh, there might be another scenario in which they can also get in. But no question about it, any road to the playoffs for the Bears gets infinitely more difficult if they cannot beat the Packers. Yeah, and just the same, the Packers can still be the number one seed if they lose to the Bears. They'll need a little bit of help, obviously. So uh, both teams with a lot on the line, but also both teams uh, can still get the job done, so to speak, even if they don't finalize things and win out on Sunday. And one more little point here is that if either team wins, then they do automatically clinch whatever they're trying to get, whether that's a playoff berth or the number one seed. And interestingly, if the Bears beat the Packers here, there is a high likelihood that the Packers and Bears will play again next week in the playoffs because the Packers will be the two seed, possibly. It's possible for them to be all the way down to the three seed, but likely the two seed in that scenario and the Bears probably would be the seven seed. So could be interesting if they have to play two weeks in a row. I'm feeling pretty confident about this white hot Packers team. I think that they are a serious, serious threat that the entire NFL, not just the NFC, should be very afraid of. And the beautiful thing is to watch them peaking at the right time. You know, since that loss to Indianapolis, hey, I give you credit. You said they could run the table and I didn't think they would. I thought they'd stumble somewhere along the line. We are one game away from seeing whether or not you nailed that, uh, you know, five, six weeks in advance. So uh, looking pretty good, peaking at the right time, defense playing better, offense is hitting on all cylinders and, uh, It's a beautiful thing to watch. And you know what, Packer fans, just take a step back and savor the moment because it's it's wonderful to see this team play this well. Well, let's take a look at what the Bears are doing now that's different, because when we last faced them, they kind of just laid down and died in front of us. Um, Don't expect that to be the case this week. And it all starts uh, with with two moves, one before the other. First, Matt Nagy gave up play-calling responsibilities uh, for the offense to uh, offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, who understands offense a lot better than Nagy does. Now, I like Matt Nagy. I think he is a good coach. I think that he is a great inspirational figure, leads that locker room well. That is a team that is very bought into him. But Bill Lazor understands offense a lot better. He's made uh, a couple changes. And the number one change here, is that the Bears now are running under center a lot. They're running on first and second down. About 70% of their snaps are under center, which is pretty unheard of compared to the rest of the league. And it fits what they're trying to do very well. It fits their roster, um, especially Mitch Trubisky. He's not a guy who's built to be uh, taking snaps in the gun. And they have simplified what they're asking Trubisky to do. Now, Anybody who has watched the Bears over the last couple of years knows that Mitch Trubisky is a very good quarterback most of the time. Uh, he he has games where he just really scares you and think you think, oh man, he's finally figured it out. He's finally turned a corner. He can you know make those beautiful deep passes. Uh, he, he can scramble like nobody's business. And then 
at the worst moment, he'll throw a stupid pick or something. That's going down a bit. And the reason is because the Bears are asking him to think a lot less. Most of his snaps, especially off of play action, he only has one read. And when you take Mitch Trubisky's brain out of the equation, as insulting as that kind of might sound to Mitch Trubisky, uh, it makes him a much more deadly quarterback. And this offense is humming a lot uh, since they made that move. And it does not hurt at all that David Montgomery, who is a very, very good running back, is actually getting real carries now because for a lot of the season, he was getting five or six carries per game. Yeah, and that also makes the offense two-dimensional. If the you know Bears are only throwing the ball, first of all, you're putting everything on Mitch Trubitsky's shoulders. And second of all, uh, you're allowing the opposing defense to tee off, rush the passer, concentrate on stopping the pass. You can't do that. So it really does benefit the Bears, and it helps that they have a quality running back in Montgomery. And he's a very different challenge than Derrick Henry was a week ago. It's not like the Packers can line up a five or six man front in order to stop Montgomery because he's more quick, more elusive than the, you know, big tough to tackle kind of a back that Derrick Henry was last week. Yeah. We're going to talk about um, a combination of something that, that the Packers defense has been doing better and why that might not be such an advantage this week. Um, so the inside linebackers for the Packers have been playing much better. And a big part of that is that they are no longer protecting the D line. The four guys up front have been executing a lot better. They don't need that assistance from the uh, linebackers lately. That frees the linebackers to hang back a little bit more in coverage, uh, line up, you know, five or six yards back instead of three or four. And you have seen a massive jump in production from the linebackers as a result of that, and it was really highlighted in the Tennessee game. Uh, Derrick Henry obviously was was pretty much shut down by Derrick Henry's standards, and and even by anybody else's standards. It wasn't until late in the fourth quarter when you know it was clearly garbage time and garbage yards that that most of his stats came from. Um, this is going to be a bit of a different game because the Bears really are going to stress the Packers' defense laterally. We're going to see a lot of side to side. Um, because they are running under center, they're running play action. The whole offensive line is going to move left or right as a unit. And you have that threat of, of Mitch Trubisky um, running back on a boot, uh, dropping back and, and play action. And he's only got that one read. Now he he's not going to hang back and, and, and let the play develop. He's got the one read is, is my, is my uh, play there? Or is it not? If it's not, bail I can go scramble I can go do Mitch Trubisky stuff you're going to see a lot fewer mistakes uh, lately from Mitch Trubisky in this offense and these linebackers are going to get worn out running sideline to sideline all night long yeah and that that's always an issue you know the whole thing with Trubisky and and simplifying everything it makes me think of Bull Durham with Nuke Lelouch don't think me just just throw <laughs> and and the, the, you know simplifying it the one thing that you hear football players talk about all the time is they have to be able to react rather than think because it, it has to be automatic. And so many players make that second year jump in the NFL or even Aaron Rodgers adjusting to the Matt LaFleur offense in the second year. It becomes more automatic. You don't have to think about it. 
And to simplify things for Trubisky is a very smart move by the Bears coaching staff. On the other side of the ball, you talked about the Packers defense. One of the other things that I think has improved the Green Bay defense, they switched up and Christian Kirksey is no longer the Mike linebacker and he's no longer calling the plays. And I think that that also improved the Packers defense because Kirksey was struggling in that position and he seems to be playing better without those responsibilities and not being the Mike. He had his best game as a Packer last week against Tennessee. Not that that's a high bar necessarily, but he had a sack. He had an interception and he played very, you know, he did his job and then some last week. Uh, and you're seeing better linebacking play after they make that position switch. And I think it benefited everybody. Right. Kirksey is a guy who does really well um, inside. He has very fluid hips. Uh, he can turn on a dime. But once he's out in space, he tends to get lost. Um, he really sucks in coverage. Uh, he um, tends to do I, I, a friend of mine, uh, Coach Hahn. Uh, said that he likes to spot drop. In other words, run to the spot he's supposed to be at, but then he can't route match. So uh, he's a guy who is really great situationally and then at times can be a, a massive liability. One thing that the um, Bears have done also is reshuffle their offensive line, especially the interior. So Rashad Coward uh, lost his spot on the offense. Uh, he is not even participating very much on the special teams anymore. Uh, Cody Whitehair has been moved to center. And then your guards are uh, Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars. This has been night and day, a dramatic difference for the offense. First of all, they're actually keeping Trubisky upright. And he's also taking less time to throw the ball. So that doesn't hurt either. But... Here's something interesting. Uh, the two guards, Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars, they played together at, I believe, Notre Dame. They have a great chemistry. That interior is flowing really well because those guys work well together. They work well in tandem with uh, Cody Whitehair. And this whole switch to having Trubisky under center, running under center, um, uh, incorporating these bootleg play action plays, it has transformed this defense. They're, they're night and day much more effective and deadly. And I, I, most of the people listening to the show have already heard the stat. This is the first time since, uh, I think, 1965 that the Bears have put up over 30 points in, was it three straight games or four straight games? Do you remember, Gil? I think it's three. I think it's three as well, which uh, <laughs> is uh, just another awesome opportunity to dunk on the Bears. But they are getting hot <laughs> at a moment uh, that we would rather them not get hot. But I'm, I'm also just going to throw this out before I turn it over to you to uh, to add your two cents. I, I don't mind playing a tough team. I really don't. I think a tough schedule makes for a tough team. I would rather us play tough teams like the Titans, like the Bears right now, as we're heading into the playoffs, rather than play a cupcake schedule. So it doesn't bother me. I would rather see a better Bears team. I still want us to beat them. But some of these guys, like uh, especially Kamal Martin, very, very talented linebacker, he still makes some uh, mistakes. This is an awesome time, especially if we can still pull out a win, for him to learn on some of these valuable snaps and maybe get burned a bit, learn his lesson, and play his very best football in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I like that idea also, especially if the Packers get the bye, because 
you don't want to have a situation where you have a, a low intensity game in the regular season finale, then you have a week off, and then all of a sudden you got to ratchet it up to 11 to play your first playoff game. So I, I like the idea of keeping the intensity level up. Playing a division rival in the season finale certainly helps. The fact that both teams have so much on the line certainly helps. And hey, it's Bears week, so bring it. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about this narrative with Packers fans that they kind of almost don't want the bye week because of how, in their eyes, Packers have looked coming out of off of buys um, in recent history? What, what do you think about that? You know what? No, uh, I understand that. But it's sort of like just because two things happen doesn't mean that they're cause causation there. And I, I don't think that that's wise. Look, if you give me a choice of saying, I would rather have two games I need to win to reach the Super Bowl, and I know they're both at home, or I could have to win three games to reach the Super Bowl, and one or more of them may be on the road. I'm picking the two games with both of them being at home, especially if my home field is Lambeau Field in January, and my opponents could be teams from Los Angeles or Tampa Bay or that play in a dome in New Orleans. You know, to me, make the path shorter and keep it at home. And I think realistically this year, Matt LaFleur has shown that his teams are ready all season long. They really played only one real stinker of a game. They had some games where they weren't at the top of their game, no question. But other than the Tampa Bay game, they've been in every game this year. And I, I think they'll be ready even after the bye week Give me the shortest distance between two points, and that's the buy. Well said. Thank you very much, Mr. Gilmartin. Okay, looking at the Bears again. Uh, so I have a couple more notes here. Trubisky has been playing better. And at times, he is still the same Mitchell Trubisky he's always been. He is still making those mistakes down the down the stretch on some of these long drives. I bring this up to say that, you know, it's it's not all bad news. There is there are still opportunities here for a guy like Darnell Savage to swoop in and get another pick. Uh, they, he, he can still be susceptible, especially if we are able to take away that first read and make him scramble around and make him try to make plays. Um, Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson, though, are both playing lights out. Our DBs are, are going to have to... Uh, perform this week. Uh, the Bears are running a ton of 12 personnel. They're getting their tight ends in the mix a lot. Uh, something that's interesting here. Jimmy Graham, surprise, surprise, his um, snaps are going down. Uh, between the 20s, he's hardly used at all. Uh, rookie tight end Cole Kmet is getting those snaps instead. They're mostly reserving Jimmy Graham for the red zone, where he has always been very, very good. Except in Green Bay. <laughs> but even in Green Bay, that was that was where you would get any production. If you were going to get any from him, it was going to be in the red zone. Yeah, yeah. They're they're running some simpler plays as well. Some they're they're doing a lot of like uh, running a high middle low, mm -hmm. and then they will sneak uh, Jimmy Graham in there on a wheel route and and hit him. They're doing a lot of that. And and Colt Komet, by the way, that, that's a heck of a player. Uh, he's a rookie. He makes a lot of mistakes, but he is a violent, aggressive guy. He will bull rush. Uh, opposing defenders, he is a mismatch. Uh, I mean, you you got to have a D end on him uh, a lot of the time. Um, he's he's uh, 
He's going to be a problem. He's a talented kid, and he's only going to get better. You remember, this is the end of his rookie year. Uh, if he takes that second year jump, then uh, he could be a force to be reckoned with going forward. Yeah, so their D-line is very unprotected. Uh, similar to what I was saying about how the Packers linebacker is able to move back a bit. Um, the, you see that a lot with uh, the Bears D-line. Um, the D-line has to win up front. I think getting A.J. Dillon involved in the offense when they are has been uh, good. It was a lot of fun to watch him last week. It could be very advantageous this week because the, you know the Packers are not going to get away from the run. They like to throw out of run formations. They still like to run late in the game. Uh, A.J. Dillon, man, <laughs> I don't think I already said it on, on, the, on the recording here, but I said it to you earlier. Uh, Matt LaFleur was so excited about A.J. Dillon. Uh, ben Sermons, the running back coach, had to come over to him and say, hey, stop calling plays for A.J. Dillon for a bit. You need to let him sit down and catch his breath. Use Aaron Jones a bit and uh, and spell A.J. Dillon a bit because you're going to run him into the dirt. So LaFleur is excited. This, is, this has been one of the big missing pieces from his offense. We heard him say that uh, he and Hackett and Ben Sermons have put their heads together to try and come up with some more creative ways that they can use him and a, uh, Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams together. And um, I'm excited to see what what uh, happens this week and, and heading into the playoffs. I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, this week because this they are clearly treating this as a playoff game. And Matt LaFleur himself even said so. Yeah, and that's the right attitude to have. At the end of the day, that is what you want to do. You want to go out there and play your best football in December, January, and maybe, hopefully, even February. All right, let's talk about special teams for a second, because this is a big concern for you, for me, even for casual fans. But anybody who is watching Packers film uh, starting to get really nervous about special teams because they have not been executing well on anything. Uh, returns, kickoffs, you know, now we're having issues uh, kicking extra points and, and field goals. A lot of the time it comes down to one player. Often, <laughs> often it's Oren Burks or Ty Summers, but you know, even when they have starters in there, we're seeing a lot of the same issues pop up over and over and over again. And, you know, there's tape out there now of, you know, you can see, okay, in this situation, the Packers make this mistake. And then the next week, it's not corrected. Right. This has been one of one of the big frustrations here. And we're going to highlight uh, something that we saw on film with that blocked field goal. Because th- this, is, this is why I really want to get rid of Sean Menenga. Uh, the inability, seemingly, to correct mistakes on special teams. So in the Carolina Panthers game, at some point, uh, I think it was in about the third quarter, uh, Tyler Lancaster was uh, playing uh, on, on the um, uh, long side of the hash. <clears throat> and what he's supposed to be doing is staying inside and, and blocking those uh, rushers who are in the, on the interior. You know, He's at the end of the line. Guys are allowed to come around uh, off the edge, around outside him. You don't worry about those guys because unless you have a cornerback or a wide receiver in there who can run a 4-3-40, nobody is fast enough to get to the ball in time to block it off the edge there. The real danger is on the inside, which, by the way, is where that block field goal came from. Mm-hmm. And at some point, uh, so when, when, when Rick Wagner gets hurt, you have some big issues here 
um, trying to block four kicks. Um, because Rick Wagner plays on the inside and Lucas Patrick usually plays on the outside. When Rick Wagner is hurt, Lucas Patrick moves inside and take, takes Rick Wagner's spot. And that leaves Tyler Lancaster on the outside there. Lancaster is just not as talented as Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick is able to stay inside and just put his long arm out and, and force those edge guys to go around him a little bit longer and delay them getting to the ball even more. Tyler Lancaster was doing a fine job when he was just staying on the inside and blocking those interior guys. At some point during the Carolina Panthers game, he clearly was told by Sean Menenga that he needs to start trying to block those outside guys, guys as well. Why? I could not tell you. Smarter people than me have not been able to answer that question either. And he, he starts blocking these guys, and that leaves a wide open door on the inside. And then Elton Jenkins, who is standing right next to him, Elton Jenkins has a bad habit of not trusting the guy next to him and trying to do his job as well sometimes. You saw that back in the Tampa Bay game. There were some pressures allowed uh, by Elton Jenkins when he didn't trust Rick Wagner, who came in for David Bakhtiari. And so Elton would go try and do Wagner's job as well, and then nobody's doing Elton's job. So you see you see this as well, where Elton is now trying to block the guy that Tyler Lancaster is supposed to be guarding, and then Elton's guy comes in and blocks the field goal. <clears throat> this could be a serious issue in this Chicago's Bear, Chicago, Chicago Bears game, especially given that uh, Rick Wagner has been struggling uh, with some injuries. He did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, still has a knee issue. If he doesn't play, and we've seen that uh, apparently Sean Menenga can't make adjustments, you could be looking at another blocked kick, another blocked field goal. This is really frustrating. We. <sighs> We've gone on rants before about special teams, <laughs> seemingly all year, basically since, since the Tampa game. We've had to, unfortunately. I mean, look, it, it comes down to adjusting, and, and you hit the nail on the head when you said that the, the special teams coordinator, Menenga, has to make adjustments. It's you Look, things are going to happen. People are going to be put in new positions, but you know what? If it's not working, you got to make an adjustment. And obviously... Most of the time, you have to block from the inside out. Again, the shortest distance between two points is up the middle. If you want to block the kick, the fastest way to do it is to get pressure up the middle. You want people to have to go to the outside. It takes longer to get there. At the end of the day, the one thing that a lot of Packer fans fear is the team's Achilles heel is you go up against a quality opponent like the Saints or the Bucks or whoever they're going to have to face in the playoffs, you have a very close game and a blocked kick or a big kick return or punt return or an onside kick ends up being the difference. Yeah. Ends up being the difference in a game and the Packers season ends before they reach that final destination that we're all hoping they can reach this year. So you don't want a special teams mistake to undo this magical season that Aaron Rodgers is having that the Packers as a team are having. And that is my big fear heading into the playoffs. Special teams can make or break this season. Look, we have a top one or two, depending on the week, offense in the NFL. We have a top 10 defense. They are white hot right now. There is no excuse for this team to not go win a Super Bowl. Special teams can absolutely cost you a game in the playoffs. No question about it. Even this week with uh, Cordero Patterson returning punts for um, for the Bears, uh, 
I, I think it's highly likely that that we allow a touchdown to him. I, I would put it at close to fifty percent. And if and again, if Rick Wagner can't play, yeah, I I, I think you're going to see a blocked kick. You, I, I don't, I don't see Sean Meninga making adjustments to stop these issues. That's the big problem. Is when, when, when Mike Pettin or Nathaniel Hackett sees an issue, they fix it. And you can be frustrated at them for allowing it to happen in the first place, but they fix it. Sean Meninga just snap after snap, you get the same thing from him, the same issues, and they got tape on there. They got the the quality control. They got people up in the booth who are watching, and they're radioing it down to Matt Nagy or or whoever is is calling plays at the moment and saying, hey, we saw this. You need to take advantage of this. No question. No question. But hey, wait. Before we go any further, I, I, I got to put in a good plug for the special teams. I got to say something nice about the special okay. teams. Okay. I'm, I'm all ears. Okay. J.K. Scott. He made a tackle last week. Okay, I, I noticed that as well. <laughs> I did, and, <laughs> and, and he did and, pretty well at it too. By the way, uh, just for for anybody who has not heard yet, you heard the uh, the announcers in that Tennessee game rewatching that blocked field goal. Uh, you know, and 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 um, seeing that uh, it was called back due to an offsides, and you heard the announcers saying, "Oh, yeah, I don't know. That seems pretty weak. I, I don't see that. It didn't seem like he moved until after the ball was already snapped." Well. The uh, next gen stats have they have uh, uh, radio chips on all these players, so you can see where they lined up. Uh, he was lined up offsides. He was already over the over the line of scrimmage when he was lined up. So it was in fact the correct call. Yes, it was, and uh, that was thankful. Now we did certainly benefit on the long Aaron Jones run. He clearly stepped yes, out of bounds, yes. but uh, give the Packers credit for quickly snapping the ball before the next play. But I, I am calling for the Packers to fire Sean Menenga before the playoffs. And I know that might sound uh, scary because you're going, oh, man, yeah, well, you're not, not going to find a new special teams coordinator before the playoffs. No, you're not. You are going to divvy up special teams responsibilities among your other competent coaches on the staff. You're going to have, uh, I don't know, Adam Senevich and Luke Buckkiss handling um, kickoffs and, and that sort of thing. And what they're going to do, because they already have – other responsibilities. They can't afford to be spending a lot of time drawing up elaborate uh, concepts and stuff for special teams. They're going to simplify. Do this. Execute it well. Don't try and get fancy. Just as you said before we started recording, special teams needs to take the Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm. That's all that we need is don't lose the game for us. We don't need you to go uh, be be crafty and clever, which we have seen them trying to be for for at least two two years now under Menenga. And I mean, honestly, we haven't had good special teams in forever. But the the bleeding needs to stop, or we will have an early playoff exit. All right, let's spread some positivity here. Our debate topic for this week. Oh, and by the way, Yale, just gotta let you know, I kicked <laughs> your butt last week. I had like a, you did eighty percent of fans or something agreed with me that they didn't want to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. So I just got to just got to lord that over you a little bit. Well, congratulations. <laughs> this week, what we are going to be debating is who is your Packers player who you've seen the greatest improvement in this year from last year? Uh, I've got to go with Darnell Savage. Uh, and I think he, you know, he had a good rookie season, but this year and especially the last, let's say five or six games, he has been outstanding, and it's getting to the point where Savage is not just his name, it's his attitude. 
you heard him at his press conference after the game. He's comfortable in his role. It's more clearly defined. They are playing more to his strengths. He's being disruptive. The game is slowing down for him. And now he's making those impact splash plays that really have helped, you know, with the interceptions, the tackles for losses, the forced fumbles, the pass breakups. To me, Darnell Savage, by far the most improved Packer over the course of this season. There's a couple guys that I could shout out. Jair Alexander, Kingsley Kiki. I have to shout out a guy who I've been very critical of for a long time. He was my least favorite Packer. I could not stand watching him play. And I it's high time that I said something nice about him because he has earned it. Mr. Billy Turner has improved so much, even just this season. Last year, when he was our starting right guard, I could not think of one nice thing to say about how he was playing. He seemed to be to be the only weakness on our offensive line. I was frustrated watching him. And at the beginning of this year, I mean, in, in training camp, I couldn't believe they were thinking of moving him to right tackle. At the beginning of the year, I was frustrated watching him. I felt like it was the same Billy Turner. I have to acknowledge he has turned it around. He has been playing so well. And I didn't have an explanation last time when we played the Bears for how Billy Turner was able to shut down Khalil Mack. I just threw up my hands in the air and said, I don't know. Since then, he has faced other quality uh, pass rushers. He has been run blocking out of his mind. He has improved so much. He is a massive contributor on the offensive line. He is a leader in the locker room. My hat comes off for Mr. Billy Turner. Thank you for your hard work and your effort. The massive way that he has grown and improved as a player over the course of this season. I'm so happy for it. So that's absolutely my, my answer. Well, fans, you know what to do. Head on over to Twitter, twitter.com slash JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y, or you can check out Gil at Gil Packers, and both of us will pin a poll to the top of our Twitter pages where you can vote. Which answer do you like better, Billy Turner or Darnell Savage? We are going to read off the answers again next week, and uh, hopefully, by the way, we have a bye week next week. Hopefully. We have set uh, quite a few pretty cool records and, and hit some landmarks and goals this season as a, as a team. Why don't you uh, tell us a couple more that we could still hit at the end of this year? Yeah, well, there, there, there are a bunch. Uh, one of my favorites, and I think it's obvious, uh, Aaron Rodgers going into Sunday needs one more touchdown pass to set his uh, to match his career high, which he set back in 2011, which was 45. If he throws two touchdown passes, that's a new personal best for him. Uh, Mason Crosby is uh, in line, possibly, to be the first Packers kicker ever to have a perfect season kicking field goals, which would be wonderful. And Devontae Adams right now is one touchdown reception away from tying the record of 18 in a season set by Sterling Sharp back in 1994. And that's even more impressive when you realize that Adams missed two games and parts of at least one more uh, because of injuries this year. That is pretty incredible. Go ahead and give me your score prediction for this week's game. I think the Packers get it done. They see what's on the table, what's possible. And I think they have the right focus as far as getting the job done, earning the bye. 
You know, you've heard Aaron Rodgers say he's played in four NFC Championship games. All of them have been on the road. It's time to make the road to the Super Bowl go through the frozen tundra. Packers go out there. They're the better team. It's not going to be easy, but they get the job done. I'm going with 34-24 Packers. Mm, I like it. The Bears have put up over 30 points against the Lions, Texans, Vikings, and Jaguars. I think we hold them under 30. I think the final score is going to be 35-17. to 17. Packers win it and clinch the uh, number one seed in the playoffs. Love to see it. Alrighty, that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter. Again, that is at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not